Good to be with you this morning. I've got some really good news for you this morning. If you have really enjoyed the series on Gideon, we've got one more. If you have really been tired of how long we have spent on the series in Gideon, this is it. <laughs> so either way, it's good news this morning. We've, we've spent a while looking at Gideon and looking at his life, and, and there's a lot of things, a lot of lessons that we've learned along the way. Like partial obedience is really disobedience. Only doing part of what God tells us is really the same as disobeying him. We've talked about how God's power and presence enables you to accomplish his purpose for your life. If only you start with the strength you already have. We've talked about how there's nothing greater that you can do as a person of faith than to share your story with the generation that follows you. We've talked about how you can be the one who begins to turn the tide in your circle of influence. If you look out at the world and you begin to see things that don't look so good, you can be the one God wants to use to turn the tide. We've talked about how the ordinary is often the disguise of the divine, and that rather than dismissing God's presence in the everyday, we ought to look for God's presence. We've learned how when you move towards God in worship, you are enabled to more clearly see his presence in your life and also your own potential in who he has created you to be. We talked about how you cannot move forward while standing still. That Jesus calls us to overcome our fear with faith and to destroy the meaningless idols that we run to instead of turning to Jesus. We've talked about how even when the odds in favor of the enemy seem overwhelming to us, God is still with us in his calling. Last week, Pastor Christia shared with us as God decreased Gideon's army from 32,000 men all the way down to 300. And we talked about how God can do a lot with our little. If you have a Bible with you this morning, it might be a paper Bible, it might be a digital Bible, maybe you need to grab a Bible from under the chair in front of you, or if you're joining online, maybe you need to open another tab on your browser. But if you could get your Bible out, lift it up nice and high this morning, and just say, I got my Bible, PJ. I am glad that you have a Bible with you. We are going to be in Judges chapter 7 in the second half of verse 8. So if you want to start turning to Judges chapter 7 and looking for verse 8, that would be, that would be wonderful. Have you ever felt desperate for a win in life? Gone through a situation where you're like, man, I just, I just need to win one. Maybe there was a string of, of, of bad luck or things that had been going on. Like maybe the doctor's appointments had just kind of come in one after another. And it was like every time you went in to see a new doctor, there was just bad news. And you went to the next one and there was more bad news. And you went to the next one and there was more bad news. And you had another one and you're like, God, I just, I need a win here. I need to hear something that gives me some sense of encouragement. Maybe you've had a season of life where it seemed like friends just kept moving away or passing away, and it was a, a difficult season. You were like, God, I just, can somebody like come into my life? Can I have a new friend? It seems like things are just difficult here. Maybe you've had one of those seasons with your finances where you're like driving your car and all of a sudden there's a flat tire and then you realize that the brakes are bad and you need to replace the wipers and then you get home and it's like the air conditioning has gone out and you're just like, I cannot take one more thing. God, can you just help me have a win here? 
Maybe you've gone all in on a project at work and it wasn't a string of things where there was like bad luck, but it was just you were in that area where you're like, I just know that I need a win. I've got all my chips in on this, this thing that I'm doing and I just really, really want this to succeed. I had a situation like that once when I was uh, an assistant pastor. The, uh, the senior leadership of the church had met together and they had kind of begun praying and planning and dreaming about what the church had looked like and about what God was calling the church to look like. And, and senior leadership felt like, hey, we feel like God is calling us not to exactly be the identity we were, but to kind of take on a new identity, to change some of the programs and how we approach church. And, and I had the opportunity to kind of weigh in with some of my opinion and, and I prayed about it and I felt like I believe God is in this. I think this is what we're supposed to be doing. And, and then leadership of the church said, that's great that you feel that way. You do it. <laughs> you, you take over kind of this new ministry, new direction that's going to be the, the central focus of the church. And I remember just thinking like, I really need this to go well. <laughs> like the whole church is right. We just, we used to kind of look this way. Now we're looking this way. And my, my name, I'm the guy whose name is attached to this whole new direction. Just kind of remember, God, this is, this is like a sink or swim moment for me. I really, really need this to go well. In our passage today, Gideon will finally do what God first spoke to him about in the wine press. He will directly engage with his enemy, the Midianites. These are the people that have been oppressing God's people and Gideon's family. And this is a moment for Gideon that is do or die. Gideon desperately needs this to go well. He needs a win here. It starts off this way, Judges chapter 7, second half of verse 8. says, Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Listen to what they're saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So Gideon and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. And the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round, excuse me, a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation. He bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and he called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. So dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed their jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. 
They shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Beth Shittah toward Zerarah as far as the border of Abel Mahola near Tabith. This is not Largo, Seminole, and Clearwater. <laughs> Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh were called out, and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites. Seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Bethbara. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they seized the waters of the Jordan as far as Bethbara. They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan River. Kind of a crazy ending to the story, but this is Gideon, a man who desperately needs a win. He's been hiding from the Midianites, living his life, hiding in a winepress in fear to embrace anything that God might have for him. And this is the moment when he is finally going to step out and do everything that God has asked him to do. God has taken his army from 32,000 down to 300, and this is it. This is the moment of attack. And God wins. <laughs> I mean, if you miss anything else about the story or everything else about the story, the bottom line is this. It's that God wins. God does through Gideon exactly what he promised when Gideon was hiding in the wine press. If you will attack the Midianites, I will deliver them into your hands. And I believe that Gideon's story here has some very powerful things to teach us about victory in the Lord. And the first thing is this, it's that sometimes God's plan seems crazy. Sometimes what God tells us to do, what God wants us to do, the place where we find us that God has placed us, it seems a little bit crazy. Gideon, I think, has got to be freaking out here a little bit, right? God has asked him to stand up against the Midianites, and they are now camped in the valley of Jezreel. Literally, this is the Valley of Armageddon. This is Gideon's Armageddon moment. And it's no longer just the Midianites, but the Midianites have been joined by the Amalekites and by all the eastern tribes. We don't even have to list all of their names. God, or Gideon has watched as his enemies have grown in number. They've swelled, and there's just this massive army of enemies standing against him where he's lived his whole life in fear of just the Midianites. There's more there now, ready to do battle and to attack Gideon. And Gideon has amassed together an army. He, he did what God wanted him to do. He took a, a bold move and he sent out the notice to all of his tribe and the neighboring tribes. And he brought together 32,000 men and he felt pretty good about that. Until God sent home the vast majority of them just because they were a little afraid and then he sent home most of the rest because of how they drank water from 32,000 to 300. The numbers don't add up for Gideon. And here's the deal. If you try to get everything that God ever tells you to do to make sense on paper, you very well may end up never doing much for the Lord. Because sometimes God's plans just don't seem 
to add up. (laughs) Sometimes when you step out in faith with God, rather than experiencing immediate victory, you see your chances get smaller. Sometimes you find yourself in Gideon's place. God, I thought I was doing what you wanted, and now all of a sudden you take away what little strength I thought I had. Sometimes God's plan doesn't add up. It feels a little bit crazy. But Gideon's story would tell us to buckle up because God might be getting ready to do something in your life. Besides the fact of the numbers, did you know what Gideon's army of 300 brought into battle in the first stage? Jars and trumpets. I don't know about you, but if I'm one of the 300 guys who has drank water appropriately, I wasn't scared in the first stage, and I'm standing with Gideon now, and Gideon comes to me and says, we're getting ready to go into battle. Here's a jar and a trumpet. I'm looking at him like, I have a sword, a spear, a shield, something, jars and trumpets. We tend to worry a lot in life about what we have in our own hands. Why am I holding a jar and a trumpet going into battle? And if God is sending us into battle, whether literally or figuratively, we often want to have weapons we feel like give us an edge. God, this thing that you're calling me to, couldn't you just give me all the tools to do it the way that it kind of makes sense to me? Sometimes we get a little bit nervous if we find ourselves facing a battle situation and we're looking at what God has placed in our hands and going, jars and trumpets are not going to fight a huge army. Faith feels crazy sometimes. But God, in calling us to trust him and trust that when he says it's time to go, that what we have is enough. This is full circle in Gideon's story. You remember when Gideon was hiding in the wine press at the very beginning of his story and the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, you are going to overthrow the Midianites. The angel says what to Gideon? Says, go in the strength you have. You think you're the smallest guy from the smallest tribe and the smallest clan and you're so weak and you got nothing. The angel says, just go, Gideon. I'm calling you to go in the strength you have. And now Gideon is here later in his story with his 300 men, and God is telling them, it's not going to make sense. But this is what I'm giving you. Go with what you have in your hands. Go with what I have placed you with. Know that the battle will not be fought with the tools you think you need or that you desire. But simple obedience to what seems like a crazy plan was all that God wanted from Gideon and from his army. We learn from Gideon's story that sometimes God's plan seems crazy. To us, it just feels crazy. We also learn that the enemy is more afraid of God's power than you are of the enemy. God knows that Gideon's time for battle has come. But God has also walked with his bro for a little while. And if you have been with us in this series, you remember that all along Gideon's story, Gideon seems to be a guy who's a little bit chicken to take the next step and so here at this juncture god is ready for the attack to happen and he's like you know what now is not the time to have this guy making lunch that i can kind of torch with a lightsaber now is not the time that i want this guy looking for miraculous signs in his laundry i am ready for this guy to go so gideon i want you to go down to the camp and i just want you to listen take your servant pura with you so gideon goes down to the camp and when he gets there To his surprise, he hears Midianites talking, saying, man, I'm having dreams. 
Like we're all camped together here in this camp. But I, I'm, I'm picturing bread like rolling down and just destroying us. I think that the God of Gideon, this guy who we've heard is like amassing this army to come against him, I feel like his God is actually going to do something. There's some stories. I'm having dreams. I'm a little freaked out right now. God shows Gideon that his enemy is actually afraid of him. You want to know the real reason, or at least part of the reason, that Satan fights so hard against you in your life? It's because he's afraid of you. Because just like Gideon's armies, Satan knows the power that is available to you in Jesus Christ. And it scares him. Satan and his demons must submit to God's authority. They must flee at his command. Scripture tells us that even at the mention of the name of Jesus, they must bow their knee. See, Satan doesn't want you to embrace what God has placed before you in the strength of the Lord. He doesn't want you leading your family as a godly parent or to have influence for the Lord as a grandparent. He doesn't want you to open the doors of your home and your life and hospitality to your neighbors. He doesn't want you to give your time serving at the church. He doesn't want you to pray for your enemies or to love people who are different than you. Satan stands to lose ground when you realize where God has placed you and where you are willing to be on battle for him. And Satan doesn't want you in that place. He tries to make himself look strong in your life. He tries to get you to look at your own weaknesses and to feel like you've gone from 32,000 to 300, that you're less than a percent of what you used to be or could be. He wants you to feel like he's camped up in the valley and that Armageddon is mounted against you and that your situation is going to overwhelm and destroy you. He wants to make himself look strong. But in reality, he's more afraid of you than you could ever be of him. Because he knows that if you embrace the power of Jesus Christ in your life, he cannot stand against the Lord and his authority. Gideon's story teaches us that worship is what turns the tide towards victory. There's this cool moment in Gideon's story that I believe is an obvious hinge pin moment where Gideon and God's people go from living in fear of the pursuit of the Midianites to becoming the pursuers themselves. For Gideon's whole life, he's hid in a wine press. He's been afraid that the Midianite armies were going to attack him. They were running in fear of their pursuers, but now in a moment, they become the pursuers. And it starts with a moment of worship. 300 men rush down the hillside from various directions. And when they get to the edge of the camp, they smash their jars, raise torches, and blow their trumpets, shouting allegiance to God and his chosen deliverer. I mean, catch this. It's lights. It's music. It's sound, it's drama, it's a loud declaration of allegiance to the strength of the Lord and his deliverer. I mean, this is practically a worship concert on the side of the hills leading to the valley of Jezreel. I believe that worship is very powerful 
in spiritual battle. When we realize what the enemy is doing and we size up the situation that is before us, and even though sometimes it makes no sense, we move forward in the Lord and we declare before our enemy that we are fighting for the Lord and for his deliverer, that we seek him. We declare our allegiance in Christ and we seek his strength alone. That worship turns the tide of spiritual battle. We can't find strength really anywhere else. So why do we waste so much time trying everything else in the battles we face in our lives before finally giving in and trusting the Lord? The moment the enemy begins to flee in our lives is the moment when in worship we finally acknowledge God and his deliverer. Now in the days of Gideon, it was Gideon the judge. But Gideon is just a foreshadowing of the deliverer who was to come, Jesus Christ. For the Lord, for his Messiah, for my Christ and my Savior, I will stand into battle. And when life doesn't make sense, I will realize, God, you have placed me where I am. You have called me to be a parent, to be a grandparent, to be a neighbor, to be an employee. You have called me to share the gospel. You've called me to serve in the church or maybe to go on mission for you. God, whatever you have called me to do, I declare I will do it in your strength for the name of Jesus. And I will worship you. And even when it doesn't make sense, and even when worship is all that you have given me, and everything seems to come against me, still I will worship you, believing that there is victory and for the battle in Jesus Christ. This isn't just showing up at church or singing some songs when we get there. It is fully giving our hearts and lives in surrender to trusting the power and presence of God, that He is with us. And that more than whatever we fear or whatever outcome we think might happen or whatever the enemy is trying to get us to look at, our allegiance and our trust is in Jesus Christ. And finally, I think Gideon's story teaches us that only God can receive the credit for his victories. When Gideon's army runs down the hillside shouting praises to God and his power, smashing jars and lighting torches, the Midianites and their allies are terrified. They turn on one another and flee. I picture this moment. It says they're packed in the valley like locusts. And it's kind of graphic war imagery, right? But it's almost that imagery or that mental picture if you were to picture a, a crowded room and a fire were to catch place and people are trying anything they can to get out. For these people, these armies that are here in the valley, they see the armies of Gideon and the Lord all around them, and they are panicked to get out of this valley. They've already been having dreams. They've already been feeling like God is going to stand against us, and now is the moment that they are attacked. And so they just start grabbing their swords, and they just start slashing away, saying, I'm getting out of this valley. I don't care who's standing in my way. I don't care who was my ally. And the enemy literally begins to destroy itself from the inside out. And I kind of picture Gideon and the 300 standing on the edge of the camp on the hillside for a moment, just watching the chaos ensue below them. It's this moment where what God predicted is realized. God has given Midian into Gideon's hands, not because of Gideon's strength, not because his army was so well-trained, 
But this is a definitive victory where the credit can only be given to God and God alone. When God shows up in your life and you experience his victory, it leaves you with that feeling. Only God could have done this. There is no mistaking his power. He likes to show off and leave us in a moment of gracious worship, knowing that what lies before us was only by his hand and his strength. I don't know what battle in your life may look like. I can't know exactly what each one of you is facing or what God might be calling you to do and how the enemy keeps whispering in your ear that you should just hide in fear and not ever step out or do anything, that you should be unwilling to embrace what God has placed before you. Sometimes what God calls you to do or asks you to do or the places he puts you, they they seem crazy to us. But you ought to know that Satan is more terrified of you, that you will put your faith in God and that you will advance on his territory. And that the more you turn your attention to worship and trusting the Lord in the midst of your battles, the more power you give to God to show up and show off in your life. You can't force God to do anything. You can't make him have the victory you want or your way. He will show up according to his own sovereign choice. But when you see God bring about victory in your life, there's no mistaking who gets the credit. Sometimes we all face moments when we just need a win in life. Thankfully, we serve a God who is a God of victory. What if we didn't look so fearfully at our negative consequences, but we allowed God to reveal how he had uniquely positioned us to be mighty in battle against our enemy? You are mighty in the Lord. Throughout Gideon's story, God wants you to hear, you are mighty in the Lord. In him, you are a mighty warrior, a mighty parent, a mighty grandparent, a mighty neighbor, a mighty man, a mighty woman. May you seek Jesus for the direction in your life. May you trust in his presence and power and goodness. And may you see victory against your enemy in such a way that all you can say in reflection is only God. Only God could have done this. Let me pray for you this morning. Jesus, we thank you this morning for the gift of the story of Gideon. God, I thank you for how you took this man who felt so weak and so powerless. And you said, just start to go in the strength you have and I will use you and you will see the enemy that you are afraid of defeated, not because of what you can do, but because of what I can do in you and through you. All I am calling you to do is trust me and step into what I have already placed before you. God, in our lives, the enemy sometimes comes against us and the enemy feels so big and so scary whether that is Satan directly or whether that is our circumstances that we find ourselves in. But God, you invite us today to see your power and your strength, to know that we serve a God who is bigger and greater, to know that the enemy is afraid of what you want to do through us by the power of your Holy Spirit at work in the lives of those who trust in Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see where we are, that we would know the battle that is in front of us, 
that we would know what you have called us to do and that we wouldn't feel weak or insignificant or small or afraid or unwilling to step forward. But God, that we would embrace whatever you have called us to do, that we would engage the enemy and that we would see the victory that belongs to you and you alone. That we might stand back and look at our lives and say only God could do what he's done. The things I've experienced are because of his power at work. I am so grateful that Jesus invites me into his victory and that I will be a victory in the name of Jesus Christ my Savior. It's in his name we pray this morning. Amen. This morning we will continue in worship through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. Uh, there are baskets that will be available at the exit doors this morning. Also invite you to place any blue cards you may have inside of those. If you're joining us online or in the sanctuary, you can also give online at oakridgewc.com give. You can use your bank's online bill pay. You can snail mail your offerings to the church. We appreciate however you choose uh, to worship the Lord. But we do want to see this time as an act of our worship, acknowledging that everything that God places in our hands, he allows us to lead as stewards and that he asks for only a portion of it back for the furthering of his kingdom. So we are going to pray a prayer of blessing over our offerings this morning as well. Jesus, again, we thank you for the lives that you give us, for the ways that you take care of us, and how you provide for us. God, we pray for that which is given today, that you would use it to further your kingdom, that others might hear more of the hope, the holiness of Jesus, that we might be invited into your victory. God, I pray that you would bless our families and our individuals and those who give this morning, God. I pray that you would be with them in their finances as they are faithful to what your word tells them to do. God, I pray that you would continue to provide an abundance for them and that, God, they would see the goodness of our Jehovah Jireh in their lives and their families today. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to invite you back next week. It will be Palm Sunday. We hope that you bring somebody with us. If you join online, please go. feel free to share our services online, YouTube, and we have a bunch of different podcasts you can join as well. Go with God and have a great week. God bless.